greetings again this morning. I told Catherine about five minutes after eight this morning that I'm not going to get done. She thought I meant that I wouldn't get it all covered this morning. I really meant that I wasn't going to get done preparing. Uh, but anyhow, either way, um, the thoughts for this came a number of weeks ago. The title came from a couple of years ago. And uh, I probably won't get everything said that ought to be said. And I might even say some things that maybe shouldn't be said. Uh, I'm going to save my disclaimer for the end. Okay? So I have a couple questions here at the beginning. What or who is a professional? Might want to venture an answer to that. Oh, and while you're thinking, since this has just sprung on you here all of a sudden, when does a person become a professional? And what makes them a professional? So what's a professional? Or who's a professional? Okay. Okay. Whatever you make your living doing. All right. Okay, we weren't going there, well, <laughs> all right, I shouldn't have said we weren't going there because, <laughs> yes, we probably will. Anyone else? I guess that depends on which, and I'm not taking issue with what you just said, but I guess that depends on your definition of expert. Because I one time heard an expert is, you break the word down, an X is a has-been, and a spurt's a drip under pressure. So, uh, you can take, I understand what you're saying, Andrew. Uh, and, and so it goes down to the, the line of professional. Okay. So, maybe my title and maybe the person that said this isn't too far off base. There was a number of us um, fellow employees talking together, and one of the drivers made a statement. I think this is an exact quote. When I became a professional driver, I did so-and-so. Well, in my, in my mind, that driver wasn't extremely professional. But they were getting paid at it, so in that sense of the word, they were a professional. And these all came out. I looked up a couple of definitions. I looked up 
Google's definition and then, well, I learned from Brother Dwayne, so I went back to Webster to get another definition. A professional is relating to or connected with a profession. So, Andrew is a professional publisher or works as a professional with a publishing company. Jennifer is a professional editor. Okay? And I'm not picking on these people. I just happen to know a couple of these people that and what they do. Along with that definition, it is worthy of or appropriate to a professional person. In other words, somebody that's competent, skillful, or assured in what they're doing. And I noticed some, some uh, synonyms. Expert, accomplished, skillful, adept, masterly, masterful, excellent, fine, polished, finished, skilled, proficient, competent. And you could go on with a few others. The opposite is amateurish, incompetent, or inept. Another definition, engaged in a specified activity as one's main paid occupation rather than as a pastime. So, if you're working a job, you are a professional, I guess, and get paid for it. So maybe that person wasn't too far off. Another definition, a person engaged or qualified in a profession. I highlighted the qualified part because that's where I want to go this morning. You get down to Webster's definition, characterized by or conforming to the technical or ethical standards of a profession. Exhibiting a courteous, conscientious, and generally business-like manner in the workplace. That's where my mind went when this co-worker said, when I became a professional, because what they were saying was, when I got my commercial license, I became a professional. <clears throat> They're not quite like the one definition I heard about CDL, which is commercial driver's license, means can't drive a lick. And you see some of those. They are a professional because they have a license, but they are not very professional in the way they carry out their activities. Following a line of conduct as though it were a profession. First known use of the word professional as an adjective, adjective uh, in relation to engaged in or one of the learned professions was all the way back in 1606. So it's been around a while. As a noun... It was first used in 1811. So, when that co-worker made that 
statement when I became a professional driver, my thought was that this individual didn't demonstrate a lot of the skills that I would associate with professionalism as a commercial operator. Um, now, I'm not saying, in when I'm saying this, I'm not saying that I do. I attempt that. Found some other things that were interesting. What it means to be professional, and this person says this, you often hear how important it is to behave professionally at work. To most people, acting like a professional means working and behaving in such a way that others think of them as competent, reliable, and respectful. Professionals are a credit not only to themselves, but also to others. What makes a good professional? Mastery of the knowledge, expertise, and skills that are used in a given profession. Technical competence is absolutely essential for professionalism. To be a good professional, then a person needs to acquire both the technical expertise required by his field as well as a good number of virtues. Now, I could make a living on a computer. That doesn't make me a professional computer professional computer operator. Okay? Now, John is what I would consider a professional in computers. Okay? Uh, he might disagree with that, but I think he probably is. I am told that after a period of time, a driver develops habits that are not safe. We get comfortable with what we do. We cut corners. We do things faster and so forth. Most companies have scheduled safety meetings to help keep their employees focused on specifics related to their profession. And you also might have some incidents. I had an incident back in April that helped me to focus on some certain specifics that sort of become old hat. And then we get a little sloppy with it. In farming, I don't necessarily consider myself a professional farmer. I've done it for a lot of years. Uh, I haven't made as much money at it as some people have, so I must not be very good at it. But in farming, we drill into people, not literally, but we, we try to hammer points home. When that auger is turning, you don't stick your fingers in anywhere. But you know, after 40-some years, I still put my fingers where they don't belong in relation to augers. But yet I tell my grandson, don't do it. So see, I'm a professional. I can do that and get by with it. Those are the kind of professionals that lose fingers and hands, whatever. Cornheads are another one. You know, that cornhead looks harmless when it's got a wad of corn up there and nothing's moving. Well, I can jam that stalk of corn through there. 
Guess what? Patrick can let loose of that stalk of corn quicker than I can. But Patrick can't let loose of that stalk of corn quick enough. Because once those rolls catch that stalk of corn, it's gone. Quicker than you can turn it loose. Same way with the fire takeoff shaft. Is that right, Bradley? And Bradley didn't get caught in one, but I still shudder today. Bradley comes down and helps us fill silo. And uh, they were up at the one blower. And they came down and told me that the fire shaft broke. And you know what a fire shaft is? It's a shaft that, is flexed, that can extend in and out. Well, it can't, I guess you can't extend something in, but it extends out. Uh, and it has joints at each end. And it connects the tractor to a piece of equipment. And it's turning, in this case, at 540 revolutions per minute. get wrapped up in that before you know it too. Saw a picture one time, a video of somebody that got caught in a fire shaft. Their article of clothing was gone before they even got an expression on their face. It happens. Why am I going through all this? You all aren't farmers, I know. And you'll understand in a little bit. But anyhow, getting back to that story. The rear end of that power shaft broke loose from the blower. So now you've got a piece of shaft this long that's loose on the wrong end. But fortunately it dropped down in the blower and kept turning instead of going out to the side somewhere. Uh, so we tell them, don't go in through there. I don't think he was, or did. I see a smirk on his face, but uh, they were supposed to go around the other way. Um, but we get comfortable in what we're doing, and we start to cut corners. Now, getting back to computers, John can cut corners on his computer and probably not suffer any ill effects from it in certain things. But if I cut corners in some of these other things, I'm in danger. A grain bin full of corn. Looks like a nice place to play. If you're tempted ever, don't. Become a death trap for lots of people. Like I just went through two stories here not too long ago two that actually survived. One of them had a safety line on and the other one um, didn't. They survived, but it's like it was described as being embedded in concrete. You think corn's harmless. That auger or a cavity that caves in and takes you down in moving corn, you cannot Cannot, cannot get free from it. Sure, when I were working in a silo this week, 
to replace a blower on a silo unloader. We always unplug that blower when we climb in the silo. That way if somebody flips the switch down at the bottom, nothing starts. Silo gas. I could show you a video of a silo that we started up a blower one morning and you can see a yellow cloud coming out of the top of that side. You can't cut corners from those things and get by. Electric motors that won't start. Oh, it's so easy to leave the switch on and start that thing. That's why shields are for, to be in place. All right, moving on. Poultry litter, trees, corn. They don't care how jerky the driver is. People don't want to be jostled around when they're traveling. I mean, there are a few exceptions. I've had some younger people that, this all the faster you can go. Can't you take these turns a little faster? No. Oh, yeah, I could. And I probably would if I was by myself. But not with them. Smooth takeoffs, smooth stops, smooth turns. My goal is to change lanes so that if you're not watching, you can't tell I'm changing lanes. Now, yes, I recognize interstates have a crown in the road, and the bus is going to do a little bit of this when you go across that crown. But you can make turns so that you can't tell you start the turn and you can't tell you end the turn. I've ridden some that, <laughs> well, anyhow. I don't accomplish it every time. I have seen professionals that are a blight on their profession. Experience is a good step in becoming a professional in the workplace, but experience alone does not make somebody a professional in the sense that we're talking about this morning. An experienced operator, whether it's a press or whatever you want to operate, a computer, is an asset, but it doesn't make you a professional. I have seen and ridden with drivers that have been driving for years, and I'm not comfortable, and sometimes I'm scared. Oh, they've got the experience. They've done it for a long time. Some private vehicles, some commercial vehicles. And you can go down the road. If you go down the road very much, you can see professional commercial drivers that are a blight to the profession. And by the way, you can see a lot of private drivers that are a blight to the professional. Okay? Um, sometimes it looks like you are in a race. 
Some people have said it looks like the Indy 500 out there. If you don't know what the Indy 500 is, it's a it's a car race, and I don't know much about what differentiates between the Indy 500 and something else, but they are running bumper to bumper, changing lanes and exchanging paint and whatever. And you see that sometimes. Shortcuts may be acceptable, even safe, in certain professions, but we need reminders from time to time that uh, we need to stay sharp. Experience don't do it all. I want to start the scripture in 2 Peter 3, verse 1. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So what does everything I've said up to now have to do with the Sunday morning church service? Are you a professional? Or are you not? On this verse, I don't very often quote commentators, but I want to quote about three of them here just briefly. In both which I stir up your pure minds to call to your remembrance important truths which you have been you have heard before, but which are in danger of forgetting, or from which you are in danger of being turned away by prevailing error. Paul regarded them as disposed to see the truth, and yet as liable to be led astray by the plausible errors of others. Such minds need to have truths often brought fresh to their remembrance, though they are truths which, with which they have been before familiar, or before been familiar some of these commentators don't write very good English, but or I can't read very good English one or the other. Another one said this. This pure minds literally means pure when examined by sunlight, sincere, adulterated by no error, opposite to having the understanding darkened. The mind, will, and affection in relation to the outer world being turned to God, the son of the soul, and not obscured by fleshly and selfish regards. You already know, it is only needed that I remind you. One last one said this, he would stir up their pure minds by way of remembrance, implying that the memories of the best Christians stand in need of refreshing, and the affections of the holiest want a fresh exciting. The freest Christians sometimes want a spur. I don't know much about spurs, but it's sort of like uh, when you're out on a, on a um, trail ride and you want that horse to go a little bit, you spur them a little bit. And this commentator says Christians, uh, where was it? Christians, the freest Christians sometimes want a spur. They want a, a jolt to get them back on track. We are slow to learn what we should do and more slow to do what we have learned. And I don't know if that's a proper word or not. Learned a word, L-E-A-R-N-T. I mean, I would have 
If I would have written it, I would have said learned, but uh, whatever. Great then is the sin of those who contend, contemn repeated truths. Cursed is that curiosity that despises a wholesome truth because it is common. We have such nice stomachs that will not endure to eat twice of the same dish if wholesome. It is just with God that want should overtake our wantonness. That reminds me a little bit of something, you know. Uh, we had pancakes a couple of times this past week. We had pancakes Friday night for supper. And uh, my wife said something about pancakes for breakfast yesterday morning. And I'm fine with pancakes. But I said, you know, we've had about enough pancakes for this week. <laughs> uh, and uh, I usually eat what she makes. But, uh, you know, we get pancakes quite a few times. And uh, they're good. We have such nice stomachs that will not endure to eat twice the same dish if wholesome. It is just with God that want should overtake our wantonness. I, uh, in traveling with the chorus, one of my pet peeves was a uh, discussion on how many times we had a certain food served to us on a chorus tour. But I've reminded them. Well, let me see here. John, if you go to McDonald's twice in one week, you ever get the same meal? Maybe you don't go to McDonald's. <laughs> but, and I'm not picking on John, okay? But if I if I go to a certain place, fast food place, I typically get the same meal. So don't complain when you get the same meal three times when you don't have a choice. But just like we will eat the same meal. And yes, I'll, I'll eat pancakes for supper again this evening. I'll eat pancakes for breakfast in the morning. That's fine. That's the way it is with God. He wants to remind us and feed us maybe the same meal a few times in a row to get our attention. I want to go through a number of scriptures um, in this what I did, I went to uh, the Strong's and I looked up where it talked about our profession. In other words, what we are to profess or what we do profess. First one is in relation to money. And I'm not going to get into a lot of specifics this morning as far as, uh, uh, as to remind you of what you should and shouldn't do. I'm going to lay out some principles this morning. First um, Timothy 6, verse 11 and 12. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed 
the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I read the New King James, and the King James, it says, has professed a good profession before many witnesses. This is in relation to, it talks about, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, and, and some of those kind of things precede this. Fight the good fight, lay hold on eternal life where you are called to that, you profess that you walk that way. 1 Timothy 6, starting at verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, to, nor, to un, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, guard what you what was committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. You've made a profession. And some have heard. First Timothy 2, talking about the um, apparel for women. The first nine, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Demonstrate your profession in what you put on. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for, and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness which are but you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession, or in the King James, your professed subjection, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Your professed subjection or your obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ. Living out what you profess. Romans 1, verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for, the, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that we are, so that they are, without excuse. 
Because all they, though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Here's someone that made a profession of how they were going to attain things, and it didn't work. In their profession, they became fools. We don't live out our profession. It is a blight on what we profess and who we profess. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the holy calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, or of our profession in the King James, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony to those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ has a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Live out your profession to the end. It takes some spurring. It takes some reminders. It takes some Safety meetings, if you please. <clears throat> Hebrews 4. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we give and must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. We profess to be a child of God and live it out. Hold fast to it. Get together for the encouragement that you need. Hebrews 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, or our, the profession of our faith without wavering, as it's written. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, 
not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated for you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which, was great, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You get the point of that? Stay the course. Live out what you profess. Don't go back on what you profess. That is, unless you're professing something that's not scriptural. So, this morning, here's the disclaimer. I'm not necessarily suggesting that you become a professional Christian. And I haven't quite thought that all through yet because... I'm not sure that that's quite a true statement. But I am saying this, that what we say and do, the way we act and live, must validate what we profess. And I'm open to see some input on whether we are to be professional Christians but I do know that we need to live out, validate what we profess. And uh, look to see if it's up here. Part of this is from a, a song that says this, So let our lives and lips express the holy gospel we profess. So let our walks and virtues shine 
to prove the doctrines, the, the doctrine all divine. Thus shall we best proclaim abroad the honor of our Savior God, when the salvation reigns within and grace subdues the power of sin. The living out of that profession, letting that work in and through our lives. Our flesh and sense must be denied, passion and envy, lust and pride, while justice, temperance, truth and love are inward piety approved. That sacred stream, thy holy word, that all our raging fear controls, sweet peace thy promises afford, and give you strength to fainting souls. So when I became a professional, if not, how do I say this? When you became a Christian, when you were baptized and joined the church, you entered into the family of God. In that sense, you professed a profession for life. That doesn't mean you have arrived. Time will help but it takes effort. It takes a concentration to grow in that to where you become, and I hope you understand this, a professional in your Christian life. You'll never arrive. You know what? I've been driving for probably as long as most of you, maybe Dave a little longer. I still mess up. I still need to work on it. So time is not the total uh, making of a professional. We need to keep working at it as long as we live. We have a song, please.